Welcome everybody back again for another episode with Justin Murphy uh, following his retirement journey um, throughout the rest of this year and the ups and downs and the discoveries along the way and any tips and tricks and helpful things. So uh, if you need to, in the description, there'll be some timestamps. You can click around if you need to, but these are generally shorter than the, the regular long form interviews. Anything we talk about or discuss will be down in the show notes as well, links to any resources or anything like that. Um, so welcome back to the show, Justin. Yeah, good to be back. You know, we talked this morning, like these, uh, you know, two weeks pops up pretty quick. You're like, geez, what? I mean, I can't believe we're already ready for another recording. Not that I dread it. It's, you know, it's like an accountability mechanism, but you're like, oh, gosh, I can't believe it's already time. I feel so unprepared. I was actually... Just like last time, like I was out working in the yard. I was trying to get some kind of work done on the house. There's like a stump out front. I was trying to rip out and, you know, exhausting. And it started it's snowing up in Virginia. It starts snowing and it's like, it's all muddy, but it's like, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to stand. Like I'm going to be trying to be productive. So I was trying to work on that for a little bit. And then to rush in and take a shower so we could record. So just another day in the life of a soon to be retiree, I guess. Getting into that retirement mindset, yeah. Just to just to be fair, like my morning has been going kind of slow, but uh, I did the same. Jumped in the shower, or shaved real quick, and uh, and then hopped on the call. Uh, but yeah, you feel you get those days where you feel like you're just like unproductive and you're not doing anything, but you're actually doing a lot of stuff. Well, we also got gypped an hour today too with daylight savings ending. So it's like, what? How is it already eleven o'clock? <laughs> so I give myself a little credit. We did lose an hour unfairly but you know this just means when i get home from work at night now i'll have an extra hour of sunlight to go out and you know work in the yard or you know be productive so i do enjoy kind of having i enjoy there being more light at the end of the day than i do in the morning so let me jump right in and uh and talk about the the baby elephant in the room i mean uh you made the announcement last week and uh i just want to dig into that and your thoughts and 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 how everything's going how you feel about it yeah, so no, so um, so I kind of, you know, kind of kept it close hold for a few weeks. Um, so I actually found out, uh, I actually found out vet, it, not Valentine's Day. So it was actually funny. So it was the same day. Valentine's Day was very eventful in the Murphy household. So it was a Tuesday. So that's my Hilvets night. Um, you know, so after work, I got to take the train to Hilvets. I usually don't get home till you know sometime between nine thirty and ten. Uh, but my wife stayed up because we're going to do like, you know, a little gift exchange. But it just so happened that day I actually got my retirement orders. So I was like, oh, this is an awesome, you know, Valentine's Day gift to myself. I got my retirement orders. Then I went home, gave my wife, uh, you know, her present. And then she had a, one for, well, she had two for me. So one was like, um, like some rocks glasses. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And there was another gift. So I opened it. And there was like a, like a little like baby one piece. But it was it's like Seahawks theme because I'm like a big Seahawks fan. And it said, originally I saw it, I thought it was like a, like a, something for the dog, like a dog shirt or something. Cause my wife's really into like dressing the dogs up. So I was like, what the hell? Like, why did she get me like a dog Seahawks shirt? And then I looked at it, I picked it up to look at it and I was like, what is it? And I looked and she had put like the pregnancy test under it. And I was like, what? Like, it's a joke. <laughs> and yeah, some expletives came out of my mouth and she was recording the whole thing. So I was like, yeah, it was a huge surprise. Um, and then she had actually... Uh, scheduled our eight-week appointment like the following morning and actually I had another medical appointment scheduled that with pain management I had to like cancel and reschedule so then the following morning we went to the doctors and saw the you know the ultrasound and anything so it was really exciting um, completely unexpected 
And then once I figured out the due date, I was like, holy smokes, this completely throws my initial plan out of whack. Right. <laughs> but I mean, in a good way. Right. Because it just, you know, just so happened with the new, you know, paternity program for, for the DOD. Now, you know, you get 12 weeks. Rightfully so. I think it's overdue. But yeah, so I'm going to, you know, use up every single uh, one of those 12 weeks and I'll be on paternity leave instead of doing a fellowship in September. So, you know. Just, you know, just throw more to the, <laughs> add more to the plate, but super excited. Um, you know, little, obviously, uh, you know, the, the further we come along, you get a little nervous, start thinking about things you hadn't thought about before. So, but um, yeah, just another challenge, just another wrench to kind of throw into everything. But uh, I'm, I'm welcome to the challenge. So how does that, how does that paternity leave uh, work? And I, how long has that been around? It hasn't been around long. It's recent. I mean, it's a, I don't think it was, was it New Year's? It might've been January, like right after the holidays. So, I mean, I think it just started and they did, I think they did have some retroactive. You could go back a couple months or something like that, but I think it just went into effect with the new year. So it's like brand new. So yeah, so I get 12 whole weeks. So I'm going to take every single one of those. That's awesome. And you had to, you have to like put in a, a form to request it or something like that, or it's just automatic. I don't know. You've been on the army now. So we've all, we've moved over to IPSA, right? So now everything's like through this website for like, you know, we don't do DA31s anymore. You just go on it. Cause I just did my first regular uh, leave request um, for my 40th birthday. We're going to Cabo at the end of the very end of this month. But yeah. You just go into the portal. You, you know, just like you would fill out a leave form, you put basically the same data, but it's all web-based now and you hit submit. It goes to your supervisor, they sign it. And then it's like, it's approved. And you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so the army's getting caught so it's the same thing you just go in there like you're going to put in a lead form and then i think one of them's like paternity is the option and you just you put in there you know what you're going to take and that's about it and i think they put some pretty good safeguards like i think if you know to to have your paternity leave denied or something i think it has to be like the first 07 in your chain of command like if you're going to deny the request so yeah no that's good i i had a guest on uh few about a month ago i guess and uh and she was mentioning when she got out at fort bliss at some point that they she had moved there pcs there was pregnant as soon as she got on the ground they were like okay cool she had her baby and they're like okay so two weeks and then you're gonna get out the door deploying and she was like wait what <laughs> i can't even do that and they're like we well, have to and so she ended up getting out because of that uh the first time she got out so yeah, it still amazes me, like, just how kind of disconnected from reality some people tend to be. I mean, good. That was the early 2000s. It was a completely different time zone. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. No. And I mean, I, you know, I've been, we've been along enough to see how, you know, how even this paternity leave for, you know, non-birthing personnel has evolved. You know, it used to be if you, you know, you didn't get anything being a father. And then I think, you know, was it five, five or six years ago, they authorized like 10 days which is not much, but it's something. And now, you know, now every, so now everybody, even if you're not like uh, giving birth, like even if you're adopting or something like that, you're, you know, you're entitled to 12 weeks. So I think it's great. I mean, it's, it's progress, maybe a bit overdue, but it's progress nonetheless. So that's, that's a good thing. So along those lines, I, I don't know if you've thought about it yet or if it's even crossed your mind, but I'm starting to think about it now. I'm starting to get my taxes wrapped up and done. And as a retiree, and it's a lot different because it's like a 1099 form rather than an LES form or whatever. It's not a normal W-2 form. 
And then you have to calculate all kinds of other things in there as well, like your dividend earnings and all that stuff. Um, have you thought about taxes? And then also in that same line, like um, how do you think that's going to affect your tax tax situation with a new child? Like I'm, I'm a pretty, what's the word I want to look for? Uh, I guess literate when it comes to my finances. Like I have a, for a you know, for a lay person, right? Not a, like a pure finance professional. I feel like I have a pretty good understanding. So I mean, I've like done our taxes myself for the last decade. Um, you know, and I, you know, with rental properties and everything, it's, I mean, it's pretty easy automated through, you know, like H&R Block and everything like that. So, uh, but as far as like actually looking like residents and like how uh, your you know, how like retire, retiree pays tax in like different states. No, no, it can be, I don't think, I don't think it would necessarily influence where I live. Like I'm only going to live in a state where they don't tax retirement pay because maybe I don't want to live in West Virginia or New Hampshire or something like that. Right. Um, so Virginia is okay. It's not amazing. Cause I think we're just going to stay here anyway. Cause I'm just comfortable, but like Virginia, for instance, is like one of the few, not few, there, there's some States that don't, like waive tax requirements for retiree pay. I think they waive like the first 15,000 or something like that. So it helps, but I mean, they have other benefits here, which I think help offsets that, right? So if you are like a hundred percent disabled veteran, like you can get relief for your property taxes and that's, you know, that's thousands. So I think that definitely offsets the retirement pay aspect. Plus they have some other benefits, right? So if you're like 100%, I think it's, I don't think it would be 100. I think if you could have 90% disability rating um, in Virginia, uh, your kids are eligible for, kids and spouses, I think are eligible for up to eight semesters of tuition-free um, education in state. So if you go to like UVA for undergrad for free, I mean, that's, that's huge. So yeah, I don't think just having the fact that I'd be having to pay, you know, taxes on my retirement pay as you know as income would deter me but you know and so and one other benefit i think that i've had um so i'm resident from of washington state and so we don't have, we've never had a state income tax so it's you know so i've kind of, you know i kind of have experienced kind of the good and the bad you know of what it looks like when you don't have to pay state income tax versus what you do so you know, I can see the difference, but you know, so yeah, it's not ideal, but I don't think, I don't think it's the biggest thing in the world to worry about. I mean, it could definitely have implications. For instance, like, you know, if you wanted to set up businesses or something like that, it'd be advantageous to do it in a state that didn't have uh, income tax in Florida or Texas or Washington, or I can't remember how many states don't have income tax. Just don't do it in California, New York, because we'll get hammered. Yeah, yeah. The, the the movie industry actually has shifted a lot of their resources from California out here to Georgia to Atlanta. I don't know. So my wife's from California, so my in-laws still live out there. I just I don't know. How, I mean, they've lived there for probably forty years, so it's just they're used to it. But I mean, you think so? You've got your federal, then you've got your state income tax, which is about ten percent. Then you've got sales tax, which is probably another ten percent. Plus, I think they have some of like the highest gas taxes in the country. It's just like probably like half your income is gone, eaten up in taxes. I just it's just an expensive place to. I mean, they do have nice sunsets and sunshine and everything. I got Disneyland and beaches. So, so, so now that you've got this uh, this new curveball thrown into the mix, 
um, as far as you, you said, you're going to have to push off your um, internship. Is there anything else that's going to have to shift around like time-wise? No, I don't think so. Cause I mean, like, like I said, that's about the only thing the plant's still in place. So, you know, I have my, my, my relief, you know, is due to report, you know, in July or something like that. So, you know, we'll do a handoff. I'll we'll have plenty of time uh, to kind of show the ropes and have them take over my portfolio. And so, you know, kind of just fade around, fade away in, in August. And then I'll probably use up whatever less, whatever regularly if I have left the earlier part of September. And then, you know, the due date will be on or around the 24th of September. And then I'll just take, uh, you know, paternity leave, which should probably run until about Christmas. So originally my plan was to start some kind of fellowship after basically Labor Day. And now that shifts to just starting something after New Year's. Now, well, I mean, it will kind of condense the, my timeline because I mean, my paycheck, my active duty paycheck is going to stop like, you know, 31st of March. So I kind of need to have a, maybe a contingency plan. And, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not detrimental. I think if I don't have something lined up because being, from what I understand, being on terminal leave, I'll still be eligible for the employment. So any fellowship I take, I could get potentially paid so that, and then plus you know, whenever retirement and or disability kicks in. I mean, that's, that's something. And my wife works. So, you know, we're fine. We got plenty in savings and everything. I'd rather have a child than three extra months of a fellowship. So uh, you were mentioning before we started recording uh, a new mentor you stumbled across. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Um, so at Hillvets, um, typically the format is we'll have like a guest speaker or, or multiple guest speakers on Tuesday night. So um, the guest speaker we had last Tuesday was um, Mr. Terrence Hayes. So his background, he is a, an army retiree. So I think he did 20, maybe a couple of years, more than 20 plus um, years on active duty. Uh, I think he retired around 2016 um, out of the Pentagon. He's in a public, in a public affairs um, kind of professional. Um, then I believe he went and worked uh, in like the media relations office at the VA as a, a civil servant for a couple of years, three um, then he left to actually go be a spokesperson for uh, VFW. Yeah, so I think he said right after uh, the election, um, November, December of 2021, he got a presidential nomination to be the uh, press secretary the, for the Department of Veteran Affairs. She said he was completely shocked, like he had no idea. So pretty, I mean, super down-to-earth guy, really easy to talk to. Um, so I met him on Tuesday night, and then I reached out him on Wednesday and asked him if we could, uh, you know, just set up just a one-on-one just conversation. I just, you know, just want to pick his brain, um, not only just kind of as an insider, kind of like a senior official in the VA and kind of just the culture um, and kind of the mindset uh, of the senior leadership and, you know, kind of how they're tackling problems or, or, or kind of how their their point of view, but also his own kind of interaction with the VA as a retiree coming on active duty and his own experiences. So um, we set something up. So I'm going to talk to him on uh, Friday afternoon. So looking forward to that. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, it's good to get the inside baseball. He sounds like a good dude. I might even need to. Yeah, no, you should definitely reach out to him. Like I said, he's, he's you know, super approachable. He's, you talk to him, he's just like a regular person. So he's not like your, I, what I would think is like a prototypical, like senior official, just very like upstanding, very, like, you know, you're be very intimated, like approaching him, you know, very articulate. No, he's just like a cool, down to earth type of guy, just an army veteran, like, you know, the rest of us. So, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. 
So we talked about a few books, and I think I'm going to just go ahead and keep re-asking you this every time. Uh, any current books or resources you ran across in the last two? So, yeah. So personally, so I'm still trying to not get through uh, um, making friends and influencing people because it's a long book. So I think I got two hours left with Dale Carnegie. I was actually just listening to this morning on the way to Lowe's. Um, but for Hillvet, so the next book we move on to is uh, Lead Well. So it's by Ken Falk. So he is a... Uh, a retired, uh, I think, naval NCO. So he was in, I can't even remember the branch. So yeah, so he did. He was in the Navy for 20 plus years. Then he went into, uh, I think he had like two private businesses that he basically stood up from the ground up and I think eventually sold them and he stood up a nonprofit. So just, you know, had a very kind of sec successful secondary career after the military um just you know it's kind of an entrepreneur and then philanthropist so that's the next one we're working on right now so yeah lee well by ken falk i think i'm only two chapters in but it's the next reading assignment we have so okay and i do have another one for you if you once you get through the carnegie the the traditional carnegie book i actually stumbled upon this as i was reading the the carnegie book the first time how to win friends and influence people um it's another one called how to stop worrying and start living and it's not necessarily a follow-on it's a lot of actual like case studies of different people so i guess he you know over the course of his years doing what he was doing he did a lot of uh, interviews with people and spent a lot of time with people and he just kind of documents that of some of the interesting people that he ran across and and uh and puts that into a nice compendium of not worrying about worrying so it's a very interesting read. It's a good read. It's a really good read. It's one you could read, you know, multiple times in a lifetime. Yeah. I mean, I have a couple tagged on my audible. So one, the next one, I think I, I'm debating one. Th the next one I'm considering reading is the subtle art of not giving a fuck. I might get into that one. It's a great book. Is it? Okay. So I've got that one bookmarked. I've got another one. Another one's more kind of business strategic, but never, never split the difference by Chris Voss. That looks like a good one too. So I've got a couple on the list. I, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, it's got to get through it, right? So I'm trying to, you know, when I'm on the bus or like when I'm driving around or something, I'll try to put on an audio book so I can kind of multitask. I'm not just wasting my time because sometimes it's hard for me to just kind of sit down and like focus in a chair with no distractions and just read. So do you, do you actually switch over to like a Kindle or like a paperback version? Um, so I do. So sometimes I got paper. So I, I mean, I do all three. So, you know, sometimes I got paperback. Sometimes I do have my, you know, my Kindle and then uh, the Audible. Basically, Audible mostly when I'm like driving. So I'm not obviously so I can drive and listen and <laughs> trying to be distracted with reading. So, you know, I've got all three platforms, um, you know, just each one's good in its own environment i guess depending on what i'm doing so i like to have options yeah i mean i still got probably books on my kindle that i that i bought that i haven't finished reading i have to get back in there i know one of them is um uh leaders eat last by uh, simon Sinek. i haven't finished that one so at some point i'll get to it when you start going down that rabbit hole of reading you start reading a whole bunch of stuff and then it just starts to accumulate and pile and exponentially grow as you go and then next thing you know you have like 50 books in your audible and you've plowed through and you're like how did i even do that <laughs> exactly
that's it. That's all I've got. Like, I, I, I don't want to belabor anything or go into any, you know, long rants or anything. I mean, I'm, I'm open to whatever, but uh, also want to keep it fairly short and, and give you your time back as well. So if there's anything that I didn't cover that we missed or you want to highlight before we hop off. Oh, okay. So there is one thing I completely forgot. Uh, no. So I met with, um, so my mentor through ACP, uh, I, I, we met um, last Saturday, actually. So we actually met in person, um, went to Panera. Uh, so that went really well. So I actually ended up talking for uh, almost like two hours. So it was, it was a really good conversation. So his name is um, Andrew Redman. Um, so he's actually right now, he is the director of the uh, Mexico Institute, which is at the Woodrow Wilson Foundation, which is a congressionally mandated kind of kind of like independent, I guess, kind of think tank. Right. Um, so he's kind of he's got actually an interesting background. So he's pretty much so he started out as a, uh, a foreign service officer in the Department of State. Um, for did that for about a decade and then left that because it's it, from what it sounds like it's almost kind of like being in the military right you got to bounce around between your embassies in your area so you're bouncing between CONUS and then you go to a new assignment you go to CONUS you know so you bounce back and forth and he got assignment um, that he wasn't thrilled about um, didn't like the prospect of like having to uproot his family again so he you know he resigned um, ended up working for the uh, Department of Commerce for a few years um, in the policy realm, and then actually bounced to private uh, practice for, gosh, I'm trying to think, almost like, it was more like, sometime between like 15 and 20 years. Um, so he worked for a couple different groups, I think primarily, so his specialty is like Latin America, that's kind of where he's worked for his entire career, so kind of worked um, in kind of like expertise consultant roles for kind of pharmaceutical uh, pharmaceutical companies trying to do that we're trying to like do business in latin america countries so he kind of did that for about 15 20 years something like that and then he decided uh he got the opportunity to bounce back into uh civil service so now yeah he's working at the, the woodrow wilson um foundation so very insightful um you know from someone that spent the majority of their career in in, in policy in both public and private practice so um, it was a great conversation, provided a lot of insight. Um, I thought it was kind of ironic because uh, I'm, I'm half Hispanic. Uh, my wife is 100% Mexican. Obviously, my in-laws are, and, you know, they're, they immigrated from, from Mexico. So um, pretty ironic that, you know, that's who I got matched up and, you know, his expertise is Latin America. So I'm sure we're going to have some great conversations on, you know, immigration policy and things like that. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, no, he sounded... Uh, you know, he's, he's eager to help wherever he can and, you know, make connections and, you know, offered me some, you know, good strategies on, you know, trying to kind of integrate myself into a, you know, the ecosystem of, of policy. So. Is that something that you could potentially see yourself doing, like getting into foreign policy for like. Um, yeah. So, I mean, policy is such a broad, like, uh, sector, right. So eventually, you know, so kind of going back on how I even got exposed to is through grad school, right? So in, in USC, it just, I happened to offer kind of a, a public policy, you know, pro graduate certificate program that you could take concurrently basically with the same classes you were taking to get my MPA. And so, yeah, no, I just kind of became infatuated with, you know, trying to use my skills to, for actual, like, pub, 
to improve public welfare, to basically like help other people. So kind of how I've just kind of worked as kind of a natural problem solver in my military capacity, right? That's really kind of the brunt of what I do is I just solve problems um, to try to use that skill set to try to help regular people with problems and kind of improve their welfare. Um, so that's, that's kind of like, you know, what intrigued me, you know, helping people improve their quality of life through, through civil service. So, um, yeah, I mean, any, you know, the, I am open to anything at this point. I'm just, you know, looking at options of different sectors and ways to get integrated and, and things like that. So it's interesting trend. I would say it's probably, you know, it's a pretty non-traditional route. I would think, right. I, I, my, you know, my natural, pro- what I would think a natural progression for someone in the military is, you know, their, their first assignment out of the military is somewhat related to what they did in their, you know, their military capacity. Um, I, I don't think too many people would be so eager to jump to something almost entirely brand new where they have, you know, not that much exposure to. So I would, hopefully I'm kind of in a non-traditional route, but we'll see how it goes. I got I always got a fallback, right? <laughs> I've always got a fallback in, you know, operations, you know, program management. Um, if I, you know, if I, times get tough, right? But yeah, you know, yeah, I'd like to use the opportunity to try to do something which I think just kind of gives me a little more, you know, internal value and satisfaction. Yep. Yeah, it's it's sometimes it's uh, I mean it's got its pluses and minuses, but sometimes it's almost better to go into a field that you know absolutely nothing about because then you don't know all the the traditional rules and all the stuff that people block themselves with because of you know uh, organizational policies or structure or whatever like you don't understand that stuff fully so you can actually go in with a a a little bit clearer mind than most people would who have been doing it for 10 or 20 years so yeah no that's a good point well i'm going to let you get back to your day and uh whatever that happens to be and like i said we will put everything in the show notes all the books all the links that we talked about all the folks that we talked about um i'll try to get with you afterwards and see if i can uh get a couple of those names and and like contact information for them and then uh yeah that's about it um until next week we will see y'all later enjoy and thank you for listening in to us Yeah, thanks for having me on again.